2.5 seconds left. Inbound to Joe Johnson. He'll take a contested three off the glass oh, and in. He is. <laughs> he's Joe Johnson, ladies and gentlemen. And he's back for another year of NBA basketball. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 20th of October from Minneapolis. We'll look at the Timberwolves and what we could see from them from their first game and when's too many shots. We'll also look at the big man rotation, some interesting finds for what make Derek favors maybe even more valuable this season. Some action from last night, and I sat down with Colton Molesky of Locked on Wolves. It's all coming up on Locked on Jazz. Pow. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice for the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. Glad to be with you for Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, uh, bringing you all the insight that you really you can't get anywhere else. All right. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai and Blake and the good people, uh, Dane and the crew down at 4646 South State Street in Murdoch. By the way, I, I followed up on my word. I called Blake and I said, Blake. Sometime between now and next June. I gave him a lot of leeway. I need a Murdoch Hyundai. I need a Santa Fe. We're going to make the change in the house just like I told you guys I would. Uh, so so that is that is actually accurate and true. Uh, and I didn't make that up. Uh, and then it's also brought to you today by the Advocates. Utah Advocates. There to help you out in your time of need. All right. Um, uh I, I don't know. I never know what to do about road stuff. Um, I, I always like to try to share a little bit. So a uh, restaurant in Minneapolis, if anyone travels here, Bar La Grassa. Went there last night with some of the coaches. Fabulous, incredible, amazing meal. Last year might have been my best meal of the year. Uh, so it's one of the best, one of the favorite uh, ones out there. Uh, share a funny one with you if I can for a second, and then we'll dig into the show. I just was doing the drum roll thing a minute ago and uh so i travel with my own coffee maker and my own oatmeal um because you'll go broke trying to go find oatmeal in the morning or eat breakfast on the road particularly after um well though someone picked up a meal last night so after expensive meals and i had the oatmeal in my hand right now and i was doing the drum roll and i actually had to put the oatmeal down to do my imaginary drum roll like i actually do the drum roll which makes me absurd (laughs) um Let's get to uh, something I thought was really interesting about opening night for the Jazz, and that was the importance of Epe Udo and what that does for Derek Favors. So one of the things that I've talked about a great deal is how important it is for the Jazz to be good when Rudy Gobert is off the floor and Derek Favors is on the floor uh, at center and how that was not the case last year. So that was and, – and and some of the times when we're dealing with Favors last year, I, I think you have to be pretty careful on just any type of comments because, frankly, last year was just such an unfair year for him. But it's – okay, that's accurate. But what I'm saying is accurate also, which is if the Jazz are going to be 
good this year and, and better than, I think, expectations, then you're going to have to find a way to be good defensively. And if you can find a way to be really good defensively, then we're going to be incredible. Okay, so that's that's kind of the two sides to it. Um, in, in the 2016-17 season, uh, the Jazz defensively, when Gobert was on the floor, were elite, and then when he wasn't, they were not particularly elite, and yet still were the third best defensive team in the league. So last year, Derek only plays 1,200 minutes, plays 50 games, and he splits them almost evenly between when Gobert's on the bench and when he's off. But when Gobert was on the floor, the Jazz defensive rating was a 96.5. And when Favors was on the floor without Gobert, the defensive rating was a 107.1. Okay? So we went from super-duper elite, again, just to go through those numbers, we kind of if we take the benchmark at 106.5 is about average, and if you go... Uh, three and a half points better than 106.5, and you get down to about 102. Um, that would be about 103. Anything under 103, you're you're really elite. The Jazz were uh, a little better at 102.7. So anything, I mean, you're really elite. You're top three, and then anything over 110, 3.5 points the other way, you're pretty bad. Okay. So last year when Gobert was on the bench and Favors was on the floor, our defensive rating was a 107. So we're right. At little less than league average. And when the two of them were on the floor, we were 96.5. So I don't know if we can replicate 96.5. That's pretty insane. But because I just told you that anything lower than 103 is elite, 96.5 is crazy unstoppable uh, defensively, like game-changing. So if the Jazz can get those other minutes down, then that's a big deal. Well, in the opener, they did. Now, it's only one game. There was something different to the way the Jazz played with those Favors minutes. So in the 22 minutes where Favors and Gobert were on the floor, the defensive rating was 99.3. Absolutely elite again. The problem is they couldn't score. They were actually negative. In the seven minutes in which Favors was on the floor without Gobert, the Jazz were terrific. In those seven minutes, the Jazz were plus 11, and the defensive rating was a, 90, a 62.1. Again, one game sample size, but pretty incredible. So what is it? Favors played the power forward. Udo played the center. And by Udo playing the center, Favors can do what Favors does best, which is play off the ball play out on the floor, play as the secondary defender, and really have the exact same role that he has when he's on the floor with Gobert. And then Udo is different than Gobert in his remarkable ability to get out on the floor and have multiple defensive actions. There's some plays in the opener where Udo is heading out hedging on a pick-and-roll, closing in the corner, making another play. Uh, Zach Guthrie was telling me, Jazz assistant, there was a play where Udo blitzed on three different aspects of one play, kind of helped the double. I mean, just so much activity 
uh, and plays with such a zest. And But maybe most importantly is what he does is he allows favors to go back to being favors where Derek's his best. Derek's not at his best when his rim protection is on the ball. His, he's the best when he's closing. He's got great instincts coming from the weak side, being an off-ball defender. And being if the pick-and-roll involves Udo because they're going with a 1-5 pick-and-roll, then you're really on to something. So Udo played 13 minutes that were not and did not play with Rudy. And our defensive rating was a 67.0. What's also interesting is Udo played the backup center with Joe Johnson, and that's actually where the game really swung. Was in the third quarter, he played about six minutes with Joe Johnson, and they were plus 13 in that six minutes. So keep an eye on that. I thought that was probably the biggest kind of takeaway, unexpected, uh, but back to a theme we've talked about a lot on this program that is vital to the success of, of the team. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai at 4646 South State Street, Blake and the Grice. So the way October works is that Blake buys the cars from Hyundai, has them on the lot, And now the 2018s are coming in, and he has to get them moved. And they're on his books. It's not one of these things where, like, he's leasing them from Hyundai, and he sends them back, and then Hyundai has to deal with them. He has to deal with them. This is his inventory. So they're doing some pretty big deals over there right now. They've got $7,000 off that Santa Fe, which I like so much. The Sonata is $6,750 off, $6,750. And then I don't know if you're in the market for a hybrid, but I'm driving the Ionic right now. I'm really, really impressed by it. Uh, it's a nice car. And I we have a hybrid uh, Prius is our regular car. I, uh, we have an old Prius, so it's not apples to apples comparisons, a little bit apples to oranges. But I would just say that this one's got um, it's pretty cool. It's got a good pickup to it. It's solid. Gas mileage is anywhere between 50 and 45 going up and down the canyon like it's not great. You know, gas mileage going up the canyon is just never going to be good. Uh, but it's a nice car, so I would check that out. I've just been overall so impressed by Hyundai and what you get for the value. And that's what I would tell you. If you're in the market to buy a car, go stop by Murdoch Hyundai at 4646 South State Street and at least look. I think you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't take a moment to look at the value you can attain uh, from buying a Hyundai. Uh, last night we saw Carmelo, uh, and while Carmelo was on the floor, the Thunder were even. When Carmelo was off the floor without Russ, which is, was on the floor without Russ, which is really the key, they were minus four. Uh, Paul George is terrific. Uh, the Knicks are terrible. Well, yeah, the Knicks are terrible. And so I'm not sure that that's a great explanation to us of of what happened in the last night i'm not sure that's going to tell us a whole lot uh but it it was it was it's interesting right russ is the one who took less shots last night though he went to the line 10 times uh carmelo used without counting turnovers well russ had seven turnovers but without counting turnovers uh carmelo used about uh 23 possessions Paul George used 25 possessions. Russ used 17. Pretty interesting. 
You know, Russ had his triple double, sixteen assists. Is he is he really gonna backseat it? Maybe. And then there's nights when they're dead, he carries it. I don't have any I think what's interesting here is I'm less concerned I, I don't think uh Carmelo's an efficient player. I think Carmelo's past his prime of being an efficient player is the issue for Carmelo. I don't worry as much on the chemistry on the Thunder. I talked to a scout who said this to me and really clicked to me. I don't worry as much about the Thunder. Paul George, Carmelo Anthony, Russell Westbrook understand the ups and downs of an 82-game schedule. They're veterans. They kind of, you know, hey, you know what, I'm dead tonight. Carry me. Um, there's going to be a lot of that that goes on during a season. Um, I need it tonight. Like, I, I, those guys, I think, will understand each other well enough that they can that they can do those things. Denver and Minnesota, to me, are are different in that regard. Uh, I didn't love what I saw out of Denver. Uh, at least, you know, 41 win, maybe make the playoffs, fine, and that would be good enough for them. I didn't love what I saw out of Denver because I don't think they have that. I don't think Gary Harris and Jamal Murray are really going to totally acquiesce to what they to Paul Millsap and I don't know that Paul Millsap is act- and then Jokic is really running a great deal of the offense and um and so I think there's a element to where I think Denver and Minnesota are going to have a harder time I mean an example is Carmelo got 67 touches last night which is a lot uh, and through 42 passes, Paul George got 66 touches and threw 36 passes. So they're, they're, those guys are passing the basketball. If we go to Minnesota the other night, and I'll make sure I pull this up exactly, but I think Wiggins only gets about 32 touches and only throws 13 passes. Like they didn't, Minnesota didn't move the ball at all in a game I watched. Now, they made tonight. They're incredibly, incredibly talented, though. But they didn't move the ball. They had five straight possessions the first quarter where they came up and just shot. Wiggins had 32 touches and had 13 passes. Jimmy Butler had 53 touches. He had 33 passes. All right, but just contrast how, like, Minnesota, how's Minnesota play? Jeff Teague, the point guard, only had 45 touches. In 24 minutes. But if you just kind of look at those two, like the youth. So in 35 minutes, Jimmy Butler had 53 touches and 33 passes. Andrew Wiggins played 30 minutes, low number, 32 touches, 13 passes. Cat, Carl Anthony Towns, who they should run everything through, had 67 touches and 48 passes. And if we go to what I just showed you, um, and, let, and actually, let's look at Denver. I thought they moved the ball. With Jokic, they're going to move the ball. I, I just don't think, I'm not sure who their guys are. But Millsap had 51 touches and 29 passes, which is not a lot. Jokic had 83 touches and 66 passes. I mean, they're running their entire offense. And Gary Harris... In 35 minutes, touched the ball 29 times. That's all. 18 passes. Contrast that to Oklahoma City last night, and you have the exact opposite. You have a team that is moving the ball, is using all their guys. 
that's a those are I just did that on the fly. I mean, I knew what I saw, and I and I know I think it's going to be much more difficult on these younger teams. And I and I agree with the scout. So the contrast to that is that Paul George got sixty six touches, thirty six passes. Carmelo sixty seven touches. 42 passes. So Carmelo touched the ball 67 times in 33 minutes. Gary Harris touched it 29 times. And Andrew Wiggins touched it 32 times. The ball movement togetherness issue is a much bigger problem for Minnesota and Denver than it is for Oklahoma City and Houston. I feel pretty comfortable about that. And I I think that's I think that's worth keeping an eye on this year. And I it's why I didn't love uh, what I saw out of Denver the other night. I'm not. I'm not sure who their guys are either. Like, is Millsap really their go-to guy? And watching Minnesota, uh, they're so skilled. Holy smokes, are they skilled? But they're not moving the ball at all. Carl Anthony Towns is amazing. A terrible defensive player. Gobert's a better player than Carl Anthony Towns because Carl Anthony Towns is so bad defensively. Minnesota's talent level so surpasses Utah's. But they didn't play together as a team, and I don't know that they'll be good defensively. Interesting night tonight. I mean, really interesting. Good time to get these teams. Clippers look really good. Maybe not a good time to get the Clippers. Today's show is brought to you uh, in part by The Advocates. So if you get in a car accident and are dealing with some side of personal injury, it, it sucks. Like, it could impact your job. It could impact, obviously, your health. It could impact your financial situations. It could impact your life. All sorts of things. So you've got to get people that are really good at what they do on your side. I mean, that's, at that point, why are you kidding around? So that's where the Utah Advocates come in. The Advocates are personal injury attorneys, and they have... They have really approached this as a craft. They have a 106-step process. They started building it 25 years ago. And the best way to say it is that accidents are different, but the process is the same. Individuals are different, and they're going to give you that customer experience. But every individual wants to be reached immediately. They make sure that that happens. You get a lawyer call within 60 seconds. Every individual wants to have a lawyer assigned to their case that they know. You have that. You want to make sure what's going on. But then they have experts in the field that are map making sure that each item that is the exact same on the checklist of the process is getting taken care of. You want good results. You want to make sure nothing bad happens to you. You want to be treated well. All those things are, are guaranteed with the advocates. What you want to make sure is that the people you have hired to take care of you in this time of need are efficient and they execute it. And that's where the advocates come in. The advocates will take care of it by knowing and having done this and being experts at it. Accidents are different. Process is the same. Process then has to be efficient. Efficiency means productivity, means communication, means expediting what's taking place for you, getting you the best results, and having expert, experts at the task inside the process so that you are taken care of. And that's what the advocates do. Utah Advocates. Give them a call. Hopefully you don't need something. But in those time of needs, that's who's there for you. Uh, so I, I, we'll talk with Colton Molesky here in a second of Lockdown Wolves uh, to kind of t- break down the the Timberwolves and, and what my concerns on them are. Uh, I had him on Lockdown NBA 
Uh, also had uh, John Corrales of Locked On Celtics and Sean Woodley of Locked On Raptors. So those are available for you on Locked On NBA. But the 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 item that jumps out to me uh, is, and I think this is a really interesting question. I asked Quinn this last night. Is what's harder to coach? A team that's too many shots or a team that doesn't have as many shots. So if you take all of the shots from last year, Wiggins 19, Towns 18, Butler 17, Teague 11, Dang 8, Muhammad 8, Taj Gibson 8, Bielitsa 6, Tyus Jones 3, it comes out to 98 shots. That's great, except for there's only about 80 available, 85 available in a game. All right, well, 85, 98 to 85 might not sound anything to you, but it's 15%. And if you're cutting it by 15%, that's a problem. That's hard to do. So compare, that means that Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns, Jimmy Butler can take 15% less shots than they did a year ago? That seems unlikely to me. And that's where the ball movement issue with Minnesota gets to be a problem. And who's going to acquiesce? That's what Colton and I will talk about a lot coming up here. The flip side is the Jazz. Rubio, nine shots. Hood, 11. Ingles, six. Favors, eight. Gobert, eight. Mitchell, I don't have any idea. He should just be happy. Burke, six. Tabo, six. Joe Johnson, eight. Udo should just be happy. That's 62. Now, you got to... Finding 25 shots is hard. The Jazz have to find 33% of their offense. Neither is easy. Both are considerable issues. But it will. it's telling to see... Which plays out and how each plays out. That's where these two teams are so different. And then the Jazz are by definition defensive. I still think the league's not figured out defense. Is it better to be good offensively or defensively? Everybody says it's better to be good offensively. But there's a variance offense that doesn't exist in defense. There's a consistency to defense. I'm not sure on it. Nonetheless... Here is Colton Molesky of Locked On Wolves from our Locked On NBA show. Hope you hope this is insightful to tonight's opponent. Before we pop over there, two things I wanted to mention to you. One, five for the fight, the patch on the Jazz uh, jersey, part of Qualtrics. Everyone donating $5 for cancer. Qualtrics' goal to eradicate cancer through research going on Saturday at Jazz, Th- at Jazz Thunder and Jazz Thunder Saturday. Carmelo, Westbrook, all of them are in town. Tickets are available at utahjazz.com to get your tickets to that, uh, to come see Carmelo. And then also family night next week. So if you're looking away to come out to see this team, you can do that Monday uh, when we go. Uh, or maybe it's a week after because uh, Monday we're in L.A. So that's not right. Um, when is the next? There's there's. I'll have to figure out what I'm talking about. But uh, Saturday, Oklahoma City, there are still tickets available. I think you really want to. Um, the, I think you really, really want to make sure that you uh, get out and see that because, uh, I don't know, Carmelo, yeah, you got it. All right, let's let's go to Colton. All right, we finished up with the Eastern Conference. Let's move over to the West. We've talked so much thunder. The Rockets get the big win over the Warriors. I'm sure we'll talk about them a lot. There's one team that I feel like is really, really interesting, flying under the radar a little bit, has some uh, brilliance potential and has some issues, and I wanted to talk about the Minnesota Timberwolves with Colton Molesky, the host of Locked On Wolves here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And Colton, thanks so much. Opening night loss to the Spurs. Just 
First, get me your impressions of what you saw out of this team with a very limited sample size, and then we'll dig into some of the questions I have about it. There's a lot of growing to do. That's that's my initial takeaway is this team was kind of rusty, and there were some really, really good-looking spots, and there were some pretty bad spots, and you just got to give this team more time to grow. All right, so here, let me dig in. I love the, you know, the Jimmy Butler move is awesome. It's the right move. Taj Gibson there. Everything Scott Layden and Tom Thibodeau did in the offseason were right. So let's let's make sure that's really well, probably everything. One of them I could probably debate a little bit. Uh, I think we're right. Uh, I'm not sure. I, didn't, I still don't think Ricky Rubio is the right fit for uh, this much talent. But that's that's a debate that uh, we can have some other time. So one thing that's really interesting to me about this team is for all the talk about the Thunder trying to gel Carmelo and Paul George with Russ and Chris Paul with James Harden uh, and that group is if you actually take the average shot attempts by each guy on Minnesota last year and you add them up, it's like 20 extra shots, maybe even 25 to a game. Each of these guys is going to have to take about 15% fewer shots. If Carl Anthony Towns took 20 last year, he's going to have to take 17 this year. How's that going to work? You're right. It's a ton of shots, and I, I really think it starts with Jimmy Butler. I think he needs to be the leader, and I think he needs to take a look. I think it's going to be a little bit like when the Miami Heat brought in Bosch and brought in LeBron James and Dwayne Wade took a little bit of a, a step back. I think Jimmy Butler needs to be the guy who facilitates more than he shoots. He had 12 points the other night and three assists. I want to see him do things like he did last night when he drove to the basket, had the edge for maybe a tough layup, and dished it over to to Wiggins for the easy slam dunk. I want to see him make more plays like that where he's willing to give up the ball to give somebody an easier bucket just because he needs to take a few less shots and he needs to be the leader and needs to facilitate, needs to create offense instead of being the offense. So let me play devil's advocate on this just for the sake of a better podcast and a better conversation. Part one of my devil's advocate to that is, does Jimmy Butler have any interest in doing that? Or did Jimmy Butler go to Minnesota to try to be an MVP candidate? I think Jimmy Butler came to Minnesota because he knew that Thibodeau would he would he knew he would fit into Thibodeau's system and he knew he would be a leader. And this if you're Thibodeau, now this is one of the things you come alongside him and say, All right, do you want to be a leader? This is what leading a team is like. You gotta sometimes take a, a step back from stuff you like to do to to do the dirty work and to be the guy for the team. So I think you're exactly right. We'll see whether that works or not. The part two of this, and I'm gonna use my pack rating, which is if those who listen to Locked on NBA probably gotten used to by now, but it's my uh, metric on how I evaluate offensive players. For those who don't know it, it's you take the amount of scoring opportunities a player uses in a night. So let's take Carl Anthony Towns. He uses 20 a night. And if an average player used those 20 compared to Carl Anthony Towns, Carl Anthony Towns scores 2.7 points per night more than an average player. It's one of the five best, six best. That's a ton. Two is like, there's six guys in the league that are over two. Carl Anthony Towns is one of the best players in the league. Here's what's interesting. Jimmy Butler is a 1.5 pack player. Well, so what? Well, Andrew Wiggins is a minus .8. Jeff Teague is not a very efficient offensive player. Uh, if, if, if you'd like the exact number, he was better last year in Indiana than he ever was in Atlanta, and Jeff Teague was a .6. I don't want Jimmy Butler giving up possessions. Jimmy Butler is a crazily good offensive player who's super efficient. 
That's not the guy I want giving up possessions. He's a plus 1.4 pack player in his 20 scoring opportunities last year. The problem here for me is, and I know he's, he's a great offensive player. He's really good in so many offensive spots. But the problem is, is that if you don't get Wiggins involved, now Wiggins, who needs to grow on the defensive side, isn't taking as many shots, isn't scoring, and he's still learning to be a solid defender on the other side. Now you're kind of taking a loss at Andrew Wiggins. So I know that Jimmy Butler is going to play really good defense. If I can get really good defense out of him and maybe a few less shots, and I'm getting really good offense out of Andrew Wiggins and maybe a couple bad defensive plays. Now it's starting to even out for me. But if I have Wiggins and or I've, if I have Towns and Butler doing all the scoring and Wiggins is a liability on both ends now for me, now you're starting to have some problems with your starting five. And I think that's a that's a hole that you really don't want to get into if you're the Timberwolves. All right, let's flip it the other side. It's just been assumed that they're getting better defensively because they have Thibodeau as the head coach. Understandably, he's a great, I mean, maybe the great defensive coach. Yet, weren't they 29th in the league last year? Or no, they jumped. That was Denver. They, they were, were, what, 24? 26th in the league 20, like, in defenses. So what do we, what's realistic here? Like, do we think they can go to average? That's a huge jump. Do you think that just Jimmy Butler and Taj Gibson get them to where? What's your thought? I would really like to see them just jump to maybe 20th, 19th. If you have one of the top-rated offenses in the league and you can just make a five- to six-position jump on your defensive net rating, that would be a huge jump. Uh, I don't I don't know if they get to, to, honestly, middle of the pack or 15th, 14th in the league in defense just because so much of playing defense is instinctual and just knowing when somebody starts to move in a certain direction what the – right play is and I don't know if you make that jump in one year I mean it's possible Wiggins and Towns have the the raw talent right to to become really elite players but I don't know if it's possible to make that big of a jump in one season so I'm looking for for just smaller things I'm looking for Wiggins to really play tight to guys consistently throughout four quarters I'm looking for Towns to be more physical under the basket I mean LaMarcus Aldridge did whatever he wanted last night really close to the rim with those spin moves I want I want Towns to make guys like that more uncomfortable with how close they're playing, how physical they're being under the basket. If they could just do a couple little things, that'll help the defense a lot. And it's something that they can do this season as opposed to trying to fix everything this season in year one. It's interesting. I'm look, I think what a lot of this conversation is, is, Colton, is I'm looking at this team trying to figure out if I think they can be the fourth best team in the West. And that might be unfair. They only won 31 games last year. To ask them to go win 51, 52, 53, which would be the fourth best team in the West, that 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 might be just too much to ask. Yeah, I really I think it is uh, that a big jump to ask of this relatively young, still Timberwolves team uh, that 20 game jump. I, I'm looking at them more as a sixth or seventh seed and making that because that would be about a 13. 12 game jump for them and that's more realistic just if they can tweak some things defensively I think the offense can carry them through a lot of a lot of games and win some games that they they're really supposed to win like if you see the Phoenix Suns roll into town that's a game they're supposed to win offense will carry them instead of the defense and the defensive tweaks I think will be good enough for that 13 game jump to get into that sixth spot but fourth in the west is going to be really tough to grab Colton, great report. Keep up the great work on Locked on Wolves and appreciate the local insight from the experts on the team. Thank you very much. 
Thanks for having me, David. Thank you very much to Colton. Hope you enjoyed the show. Brought to you today by Murdoch Hyundai, 4646 South State Street, and the Advocates. Hopefully the day doesn't come where you need yourself to be using the Advocates or you need a personal injury attorney, but when you do, you want to make sure you have someone who's efficient, organized, and knows the system as terrifically as they do. Uh, Jazz are uh, doing the Five for the Fight going on this week, uh, Saturday. Big day, Five for the Fight. Uh, five for the fight. If you if you're not aware of five for the fight and what it is, it's uh, part of the Qualtrics uh, coming. It's what our patches. Uh, everyone donating five dollars for the fight for cancer. We got a big five for the five night uh, happening with the Jazz uh, on Saturday against Oklahoma City. So be a part of that. Utah Snowmobile Show is underway at the Southtown Expo Center as well. That is today's edition of Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Ron and I will talk to you an hour before tip-off on the floor and postcast as well tonight.